Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist. We're doing another Cosmic Queries. These have become fan favorites. I guess I understand why, because you get to participate. Well, actually, if you're a Patreon member, you get to participate in asking those questions at the entry level of Patreon. Today's topic, infinity, with my friend and fellow physicist, Stefan Alexander. We'll get to him in a moment. But let me introduce my co-host, Nagin Frasad. Nagin, it's been so long. Oh my Hello. God. Hello. Yes, I'm your your honorary um, astrophysicist comedian friend. Yes. <laughs> Everybody needs <laughs> my, one of those, right? Minor, right. Minus <laughs> any of the astrophysics, just to be clear. I have none of that. <laughs> you are a host of the, the show Fake the Nation. That's and right. very cool. And you, wait, and in addition to Fake the Nation, you got some side gig where you've got a succession recap. <gasps> That's What's right. up with that? I'm doing a succession recap pod on the Fake the Nation feed. And I, in addition to talking about space, I love talking about billionaires. So those are my two <laughs> main interests <laughs> right now. Um, so yeah, definitely subscribe to hear all the succession chatter. Yeah, succession up from HBO, right? I saw the whole first season. And it's it was too it's it's like really weird yeah. for me to continue. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't I don't want be. this to be true. You know, <laughs> I don't want that. Please, I know, you know? it's pretty gross, but so hilarious <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, help me welcome my friend and colleague Stefan Alexander. Stefan, your returning guest. You first appeared with us uh, with when we were on the Nat Geo channel. Uh, and you had, a, it was a TV, Nat Geo TV episode. You're a theoretical physicist, a cosmologist, a musician, and an author and professor of physics at Brown University up in Providence, Rhode Island. And among those books, the one I remember most is from now six years ago, seven years ago, The Jazz of Physics. Let me get the right subtitle here. The Secret Link Between Music and the Structure of the Universe. And then you follow that up with Fear of a Black Universe, an outsider's guide to the future of physics. So you're still at it, but you're also a jazz saxophonist. So you're out of control here, it seems. Uh, you also appeared in the 2022 Netflix documentary, A Trip to Infinity, and that is the subject of today, Infinity, which boggles everybody's mind who's ever thought about it. And so could you just tell us what infinity? Wait, can I can I tell you my first encounter with infinity? I'll tell you. I, I'm old enough to remember this. Okay, so I am five when Kennedy is assassinated. Okay, that's how old I am. And there's the burial, and they put him in in Arlington Cemetery, and there's a flame there at the burial spot, and they called it the eternal flame. And I said, what? Does this flame never go out? How could it never go out? What? And and at age five, this with me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> this was like, how? At night, do they secretly put more oil in the flame? You know, but does, the camera doesn't show it. I was, 
And then I would later learn, yes, that is figurative, that it's eternal, but there is a formal mathematical concept called infinity. Nagin, did you have any existential angst over infinity at any time in your life? Um, Just to put that on, to put it on the table right now because we got the man who's going to straighten us out. God, I feel, I feel, I mean, it, I had just an existential angst as a teenager in general and started reading all of the works of Jean-Paul Sartre as like a 16-year-old and not fully understanding them. Oh, that'll mess you up. That'll mess so you up So that big time. messed yeah. me up big time. Um, <laughs> and it led to a lot of brooding and a lot of eye rolls on my part. But um, okay. it didn't it, it didn't freak me out the way Infinity freaked you out. Okay, okay. All right, so Stefan, tell me about Infinity. What's up with that? Let me admit something to you and again. I don't know what infinity is. Okay, I mean, I can... Okay, so we're done here. Okay. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Nikki, you got any jokes to take us out? <laughs> okay. Wow. I mean, the first... Who booked this guy? I know, right? Right? I think my first encounter with infinity was just as a kid. Like, you know, you get taught how to count. And you say, okay, one, two, three. And you realize that you can just go on counting for eternity. And, you know some point, I think it was a friend or a teacher, I forget, I was in third grade, who said, actually, there's this number, it's called infinity. And so basically, once you get to the largest possible number, you can count in. And infinity is that number that goes on, basically, and of course, to what? To infinity. And, and plus, and, um, the, old, the old geek contest is, what's the biggest yeah. number you can name? Then you name it and say, is that plus one? You know, and that's how you yeah. win. You, you right. win the, the geek counting contest. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so what I'm going to do is give a couple of like, you know, examples of like where infinity comes up in everyday common sense stories. Let's look at um, fractions, right? I have one over two. Well, you, if you tell a kid, hey, I'm going to give you half of a pie of pizza or one quarter of a pie of pizza, right? The kid will know I want half of the pie of pizza. They know that the, the larger you make that fraction of the, of the slice, Right, they get a smaller slice of pizza. If I say you get one over one of the pizza, well, a smart kid will say, "I get the whole pizza. I get the whole pie, one over one." If I make, if I go smaller than one, which is smaller than one is something that looks like zero, one over zero, then that number goes. That's what infinity is, um, and that we call that a division by zero. And so computers crash, actually, because you, know, you wanted to avoid these kind of things when you wrote code, these divisions by zero, because the, what would happen, right? The, yeah, the, the program crashes. Yeah, it crashes, exactly. Computer doesn't know what to do with it. By the way, in Star Trek, mm -hmm. smoke would come out of the computer if they did no. that. <laughs> Are you trying to say the computer, was, the computer was doing things that you didn't want to do? Yeah, yeah, computer would... <laughs> <laughs> Captain Kirk would outreason the computer, and then the smoke would come out. But in modern times, no, they just the computer it just crashes. Yeah. Wait, can yeah. I? This is actually giving me flashbacks of when I first had to graph an asymptote, oh. which is this is essentially right asymptotic yes, this yes, situation. Yes. And I remember just being like, "Oh, let them touch! Let the thing touch oh, the line." You you cared for them. You I, wanted I them. I wanted them to touch. <laughs> it felt. You you know, it just felt like uh, a missed connection forever, you know? Wow. Well, and no, it they felt do, so they frustrating. Do touch at infinity. Ex oh. <laughs> oh, very good. 
So get your ass to infinity and you'll see them touch. Until oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but right, so Stefan, asymptote is another one of these concepts, right? Yeah. It's a great asymptote. word. It's, it's a great word too. Right. You, can, it's a fun you, kind word. Of, you almost get there, but never quite until yeah. you go out to infinity. Um, yeah. And uh, that's a very good, that's another, in fact, that's very relevant um, to physics. And by the way, the, the ideas of the asymptote and this division by zero, all of these things, you know, um, does, you know, touch, you know, have, you know, a deep relationship with, with physics and astrophysics and cosmology. So you say it shows um, up in a lot of different ways. It shows up in a lot of different ways. And we physicists, you know, there's, of course, philosophers pay a lot of attention to infinities. Mathematicians actually make a, a, a living from it, and we physicists try to run away from it. We try to avoid that? it. <laughs> I'm trying to see a mathematician busker on the street, you know, <laughs> trying to make a living off of infinity. You know, I don't, I can't. I'm trying to picture that. I don't. I'm sorry. Someone makes a living off infinity. But but uh, Nagin, do you have you have questions from our uh, Patreon members? I, yeah, I absolutely do. Let me dive in with a, a question from Captain James Riley. Um, they write, "It always drives me crazy when I hear that a singularity has infinite density or that the universe in, is infinite. Is this just something we label things that we don't fully understand? I hate well, I the concept that. of infinity. It seems like well, a cop out. I love that, which Ooh. is how I felt about asymptotes. <laughs> <laughs> so I to I'm totally with you, Captain Riley. <laughs> yeah, so, so Stefan, it's, you know, the captain's got a point here, you know? Are, are, we, just, are we just invoking infinity because we can't otherwise solve the problem? Uh, yes and no. Um, can, can, we, can we evoke one of your favorite astrophysical objects, Neil? The black hole? The black hole. What's that? Because I think this sure. is a perfect, do a very good example of where you kind of get to have your cake and eat it too. Because here it is an um, interesting thing. Um, when Einstein came up with his theory of general relativity, which describes, you know, how matter and energy can warp the space-time fabric and create the effect that we call gravity, um, a, a mathematical prediction, a mathematical solution came out of that, um, that theory. This theory spat out an, a very extreme, um, sort of extreme warping of space-time from, from a very, you know, from a basically a collapse, a star that has collapsed into a very dense region, and this thing is called a black hole. And uh, Neil, you've done some excellent um, reports on that in the past. But just to be clear, Negin, he said that Einstein's theory just spat out the equations for a black hole, but with the help of really brilliant people who understood the theory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> it did right, just right. poop it out like... like <laughs> it did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Although just, I like the imagery of just a bunch of numbers yeah. coming out of someone's butt. <laughs> just, right. just so, I'm root to whatever it was doing. No, no, some brilliant people applied brilliant yeah, people. applied Einstein's general relativity now that they had that framework to arrive at a black hole as a new under a new object, a new prediction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was a mat it was literally, you know, the Einstein theory was ten what we call ten couple nonlinear partial differential equations. Very comp very, very um, difficult and still difficult to solve. So you're lucky when you get one solution and the black hole solution or the Schwarzschild solution. But at that time, like people, some people, and one of my mentors, David Finkelstein, of the Eddington Finkelstein um, coordinate system, which was based on Schwarzschild's solution about the event horizon, right? The point of no return once you fall into this black hole after it gobbles you up. You know, this was 
seen by many to just be some mathematical trickery, some mathematical solution that has not no element of reality until, of course, we found one. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we found many, right? Um, now there are black hole laboratories out yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so the thing that I find interesting about that was people already knew that the black hole, this, the reason why they thought it was a mathematical artifact or mathematical gobbledygook of, the, of, of, of Einstein's theory, some, some physicists thought, was because it actually had a singularity. It actually had an infinity. What do I mean by that? If you actually, this is the, the example we used before. If you look at the, you know, if I fall into a black hole, if I, um, you know, describe going in as some, the radius, you know, like a ball, think of the black hole as a gigantic ball in outer space, a, a gigantic invisible dark ball. And as I go in to the center of the black hole, this radius will eventually go to zero. But if I divide, and it turns out that the density and the force really falls off. It actually decreases as 1 over r, sometimes 1 over r squared, 1 over r. So what happens when r goes to zero? You get an infinity. You get an infinity in the density, the mass density. Infinite density. You also yeah. get an infinite density, thank you. You get an infinity in the forces, right? And you get an infinity in the curvature because the curvature becomes infinite so the, as well. So, so I, okay, mm -hmm. so the, I think the person who asked the question knew that that's what you would say, the question mm -hmm. is, is that real? <laughs> uh -huh. Is it? Is it? Yes. No. Good. Good. No, this is interesting. No, I'm pretending I'm the dude who has to, I'm, I'm the captain. No, you're just making this up. <laughs> just, how can you have anything that's infinite anything? That's, that's a physical that's right. thing. How is that even possible? We, we agree you can do that mathematically. No one's arguing. Right. Now you're going to tell me an right. actual yeah. physical thing. It's the infinity that your math delivered. And that's what... Because, like, yeah, because, like, at the end of the day, if we're looking at, like, a tup... If the black hole is in a Tupperware container... Yes, very right, good. Okay, where are you going with then this? <laughs> <laughs> I'll stay with you. Go. I'm going to bake the black hole. I'm just saying, like, it can't... If it's infinitely dense, the Tupperware container is going to break, right? Or whatever. Does that make any sense? <laughs> no, that's actually... So that's right. So what it's interesting that you you had a theory that put out a sick solution. So many people thought that's not real, but then you find this thing in reality. So what do you do with the fact that this infinity is there in the prediction? And so then this is where you get disagreements in amongst physicists and astrophysicists. Some people say, well, there's something that replaces that theory, um, meaning general relativity. There's some new physics that we yet we do not know. Some people say you have to accept the infinity um, and, you know, there's something is censoring that infinity from actually realizing itself and coming out and doing bad things. I like that idea that nature might be mm -hmm. censoring our infinities. I like that. Yes. And, and, and so it could, it could be that the infinity is the limit of the applicability of this theory of the universe. That's, that's, that's a take I take, actually. That's okay, my, all right. That's why right. I, I land on, that's why. Okay, I, now, now where, where does the Tupperware mm -hmm. go? We got to know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. I feel Back like to the Tupperware. You, you, or you have some really, <laughs> yeah, some really okay. expansive Tupperware. <laughs> Leftovers forever in your Tupperware. Leftovers forever, because it's infinitely dense. It could feed everyone forever. <laughs> we got to take a quick break, but when we come back, more with Stefan Alexander, who's taken us 
to infinity and beyond with, of course, my co-host, Nagin Fassad. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Chris Cohen from Haworth, New Jersey, and I support Star Talk on Patreon. Please enjoy this episode of Star Talk Radio with your and my favorite personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're back, Star Talk Cosmic Queries. We're talking about infinity. Oh, yeah. And we got one of the world's experts who thinks about this subject, Stefan Alexander, a friend and colleague, professor of physics at Brown University, Rhode Island. And I got Nagin Frasad. Uh, Nagin, you wrote you wrote a book. I did. Some, a few years ago. Yeah. Just, just, it was, and I'm trying to remember the title. Is it How to Make White People Laugh or something like that? What yes, was, How to Make White was, People Laugh. Neil, it wasn't for you. <laughs> no, it wasn't for me. That's why I never, I, I heard about the book, but I said, no. Nope. This is not no, not, not addressed me. to yeah. me. <laughs> that's right. Okay. It's to make white people laugh. So I remembered the title correctly. That's the title. Okay. Yeah, that's Very the cool. One. <laughs> okay. So Stefan, you were going to add to the point about the black hole singularity being an infinite density point, and possibly others stepping in to save the day. Yes. So there are other types of singularities that show up in physics that can maybe I think that where we were able to, what we call, tame or cure the singularity. And the beast. The beast, yes. Tame the beast. One was the electric charge and the electric force. So if you look at a charged particle. An electron, okay. Um, or, or, or a magnet, or a magnet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the magnetic force also between two magnets, actually, as I bring the magnets closer together and closer together, actually turns out that that force, when you go to zero distance, According to the equations, that work really well for all of our motors and all of our you know, electricity and all that wind energy and all that stuff. It uses the same physics that we trust. But according to this physics, when you go here, all that good stuff goes out the window because you will get, according to the theory, an infinite force and an infinite amount of energy. Mm. And we do not measure that because the magnets touch and nothing blows up. And you're strong enough magnets. to make the magnets touch if they're resisting each it's other. For example. That's right. Okay. You're strong okay. enough to do that. But right. according to this thing, the magnets should never touch. You can never be strong enough because you require infinite force to make them touch. All right. Okay, so what solved that problem? It turns out Richard Feynman and you know his colleagues figured out, actually, there's quantum physics going on. So what happens is that quantum physics fuzzifies and softens, in a sense, like, you know, you just made quantum... up that word, fuzzify. I'm pretty sure you just made up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. But okay, we know what you mean. Yeah, but yeah, I just yeah. let, the, let the record show he's making okay. up words as he goes along. Okay. Yeah. Which, by the yeah. way, which is what infinity sometimes sound li- sounds like. Just throw in the word <laughs> infinity, and it, yeah, that's exactly right. the point of the question. It sounds like a cop out, like it right. fuzzifies, mm-hmm. but continue. Fuzzifying infinity. All right. Okay, so. So this is this, so weird things happen. So in the quantum world now, if you say, okay, you know, the force between the magnets, you know, um, is really what we call a non-quantum or classical theory. It doesn't require quantum things. What do I mean by quantum now? Well, it means that there are things called quanta. And in this case, the thing that becomes the quanta is light. Because light is actually the thing that's mediating 
communicating the force, actually. And so what Feynman taught us is that you can't no longer think about the magnetic field as a magnetic field, but actually as a particle called a photon that gets transmitted, bouncing back and forth. And as a photon goes, is communicating this force and the magnet gets closer and closer, the photon can actually, you know, do weird things. It can do weird quantum... Okay, but the point is, you are saving the magnetic field problem invoking quantum physics. Yes, yes. Is quantum physics going to save you from the center of the black hole, from the singularity? Very good. So there are now people, not people, there are great physicists um, um, that argue, like Stephen Hawking being one, and Gerard Tuft and Lenny Susskind and others, that said, ah, what if what happened with you know, with ma real magnets, um, by analogy, there's something quantum. What, what quantum? Quantum mm -hmm. gravity. There's something to do with gravity being a quantum, having a quantum effect. Mm -hmm. What if that would like jump in and save today? And as I go into the singularity of a black hole, you don't get infinity, but you get new quantum effects. Right. What so would the, that look like? You'd have to yeah. marry quantum physics with Einstein relativity for that. You have right. to do that. And it's some kind of and shotgun wedding right at that Some kind of shotgun moment. wedding. <laughs> I'm just saying. But here's the problem. None yeah. of the in-laws are happy in that None scenario. of the in-laws. <laughs> here's the funny thing. If gravity and quantum mechanics were to be a couple, they're very incompatible with each other. Every reconcilable differences that this allowed them from actually making okay. a bond. Yeah. Well, all right. It's like right, when yeah. I've tried to date a Pisces, it never works out. You know, I could have told you that. Why didn't you call me? <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> so uh, that's the, so that's the, we replied to the captain whether or not we fully satisfied his question. So what are the questions you got, Nagin? All right, let's move on to David. Um, he's actually happy to submit his very first question after years of, of being a Patreon subscriber. Oh, Here excellent. It is. Oh, David, does he have a last name or is it just um, David? He just, it's just David. He's like Madonna. Okay. He just goes by the one. David. Um, I once heard Alex Filipenko explain infinity and in our universe is operationally infinite, infinite to us because we can never achieve the edges of it, not even at the speed of light because space is expanding faster than the speed of light, almost like going up an escalator that is going faster than you can walk up it. You'll never reach the top. Is my small mind grasping this concept of an infinite universe? And if so, or if not, how do multiple universes fit into our infinite universe? Ooh, yeah. I love those questions. But yes, I love Stephane, that escalator that? metaphor because if, uh, if, that, if that's right, that puts things into making sense for me. Right, right, right. The way I look at it is, and I can I can contribute a little bit to this answer, mm -hmm. all right? So I'll, I'll contribute two parts. You take care of the rest. So, mm -hmm. yes, if the universe is expanded, and Alex Filipenko is a colleague of mine. We came up together, actually, in graduate school. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you, if you have an infinite universe that's expanding, right, you'll never reach the edge. Like, and I'd love, like you said, we all agree that escalator analogy is excellent. However... You don't need an infinite universe to never reach the edge. For example, the surface of the earth is not infinite. Yet you could just keep walking and never reach the edge. So don't equate reaching an edge with something having to be infinite. Because the space can turn back on itself. And you can end up just making loops. And, ne and never stop walking and always walk in the same direction, whichever direction you choose, and you'll never get to the edge. 
So that's my first point to that. And the second point is, if you embed, so I can have a sheet of paper that's infinite. Infinite, okay? Now, but a sheet of paper is two dimensions. I can have another sheet of paper that's infinite and put them one centimeter apart from each other and they will never intersect, even though they're both infinite because I pulled one into a third dimension. And so when you embed infinities in higher dimensions, you got no problems at all. You can cram, put them in, cram as many as you want in there, and there's plenty of room. So, you take it from there, Stefan. <laughs> you, you, you took all the good examples. Oh, no! Um. <laughs> and of course, you know, there's um, infinite time. Oh, oh! You can have a finite world, but the clock can continue ticking for, you know, for an infinity. You know, meaning that the universe um, could be finite in extent, but just continue expanding for an infinity. So the universe is like a is like a vampire that never dies in that scenario. Nagin, it's exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> Great, got mm-hmm. it. Just wanted to explain for the listeners. Mi- minus the blood, minus the blood. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. And just to follow up on what you just said, Stefan. So if the spherical universe were expanding, you would still have a finite universe, but you could walk in it forever even though it's expanding. So there's a lot of variations on this geometry that make for fascinating Mm -hmm. thought in all this. Absolutely, absolutely. And in fact, um, one of the great mathematicians, um, you know, somebody that you know, Neil, he went off and made a lot of money, but he literally, you know, he he put a lot of money towards this this satellite so that he can, you know, know about the Big Bang called a Simons Observatory. Oh, yes, yes. Jim Simons. Jim Simons, he's... He's a geometrist, so he came up with some uh, some important mathematics all about this topic. He believes that the universe actually is finite. It's a what you know a, a sphere. It has a spherical geometry, and if you you know if you play with the if you play with the, the assumptions and the data and the statistics enough, you might be able to still accommodate um, that the universe actually might be finite in terms of the data. Um, so mm. that's an interesting side note. And and just for in case people don't know, Jim Simons uh, made his billions trading in the stock market, bringing high-level mathematics to his predictive models that no one knew was even possible at the time. And and now he's put his money back to further research. There's the Simons uh, Foundation, the Simons uh, Center for uh, Research in Physics, Biology, and Computing, um, which is right here in uh, downtown Manhattan. Oh, I thought you were going to say, which is on a yacht, because that's what he gets to afford now. (laughs) He does have a yacht, and I've been on his yacht, and it's called the Archimedes. (laughs) And it's called the Archimedes. Of course, of course. Yes, yes. So thank you for that, for cueing. That was your cue. (laughs) Time for another question? Yeah, please, please. So from Gavin Bamber, he says, hello from North Vancouver, please visit. Can string theory be represented by music? If so, would it be more of a monophony, classical or jazz? Would it be a complete composition or would it continue on into infinity? Wait, is that a word, monophony? Is that, is that a, like, does that mean a one note concert? Is that <laughs> what, what he's saying there? That's what it sounds like to me. But yeah. It's something else. Oh my yeah, God, so what, I have two of the smartest people on the planet and and none of us know if that's like a, t- a word. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Well, this is actually a good point to actually talk about, um, you know, going back to Feynman so, and, and his colleagues that they use quantum mechanics to smoothen out, for lack of better words, de- de-infinitize the infinity. That, I made up a new word. Um, <laughs> to get rid of the infinity. Come up to six new words this episode, right? So, Keep going. <laughs> there is now a, you know, an uber quantum theory, and that theory is called string theory. Um, and it turns out that just when you thought that quantum mechanics actually would help with infinities, it turned out that quantum mechanics itself had infinities. <laughs> okay? And we call these things divergences or, you know, uh, instabilities. These are all words that just basically mean that things in your theory go to infinity. Okay? Okay. And so anyway, so in a long... It turns you out saying, that there is... You're saying quantum physics was brought on to possibly help with the classical infinities, but then mm-hmm. it introduces infinities, infinities of its own. That's correct. Okay, yes. that ain't right. Yeah. That ain't right. That ain't right, right. Right, right. And um, these things are called like ultraviolet or infrared divergences for the audience member who want to get fancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, okay. um, so it turns out that string theory actually, one of the reasons why many people got behind string theory, including a younger version of myself um, uh, when I was a young research, younger researcher, um, was that it actually was an infinity-free theory, quantum theory, actually, mm-hmm. that contained gravity in it as well, contain, you know, aspects of all the forces, but you have to live in 10 dimensions, okay? Uh, um, there's a, there's some, some give. <laughs> there's a catch. And then going back to what, <laughs> there's a catch. And, if, and, you know, and going back to what Neil exactly said, is that now that you have the, all these other dimensions, you can go and stuff infinities on those, on those other dimensions now, right? Um, yeah. But anyway, string theory is such a, such a theory that does that, um, it, it do, it's, an, it's a theory that does not have in its mathematical structures and the solution it spits out, inf- it does not have infinities. So we all love that. It's elegant and beautiful. <laughs> and um, it's also a musical theory. That's correct. I do want to hear what you have to say about string theory and music because that is a part of the, the, the questioner's uh, uh, content. But we got to take a quick break. When we come back, the third and final segment of Infinity. Does Infinity have three segments? <laughs> Can it have three segments? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Come back and find out on Star Talk, Cosmic Query. We're back, the Infinity Edition, with Stefan Alexander physicist who's thought a lot about cosmology and infinities. And of course, Nagin Prasad. Nagin. Hello. Love having you here. It's been too long. Come back more often, okay? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I, but so, I'm, I'm, I'm on nearly every show in other dimensions. Oh! <laughs> so, <laughs> you and, have and to if, go to the other dimensions, I think and, is what's going on. And if you don't tell me that dimension, I will never find you. Right? <laughs> you, you'll be fi- I'll be found only when you allow yourself to be found. Yeah. I've also got hot dog fingers in those other dimensions, but don't oh, worry about it. Oh yes. Oh okay. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I think that was. Yeah, so, indeed. so Ste- Stefan, why would string theory have to do with music at all? Just because it has the word string in it, and just because they're. Music has string instruments. I don't, you know. <laughs> it's a weak connection. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's how, that yeah. feels like really weak. <laughs> they they should have just called it maybe something like um, guitar string theory. Maybe <laughs> um, but yeah, the, you know. So 
String theory, one of the good reason, ways was able to solve these infinities had to do with an assumption that we made about even our physics pre-string theory, which is that things fundamentally are made up of point particles. And the minute you talk about a particle, then you're forced to go to zero, with the, and that's when things blew up on you. The infinity came, uh, revealed itself. But if, and the idea of string theory is that replace, nothing is ever made up of a point particle anymore. When you, even when you take a magnifying glass and you, you try to resolve that point, instead of what looks like a point from really, really far away, you zoom in and it, you realize it's a string. Okay. But it's not just any old string. The string, because it's quantum, has to be vibrating. We know very well the physics of any kind of vibrating string. The vibrating string generates a spectrum or, uh, you know, it generates um, characteristics, types of waves. And these waves are called standing waves. What is a standing wave? It's basically what you know as a note, a tone. Okay. A particular type of vibration um, that can be represented as a sound um, or, you know, a note on the piano. So, like, when I play a note on a piano, what's really going on is that there's a piano string hidden, and that piano string is vibrating. And because it vibrates, it undulates at a very, at a given rate, that rate of vibration called a frequency denotes what we call a tone or a sound. And so, so string theory, the physics of strings, really does match on very oh, nicely. okay. The physics of how notes are generated in instruments. Right, so sorry to badmouth you at the front of that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nagin needs to apologize too. I'm so, <laughs> so, so sorry. <laughs> um, but so it's an analogy. It's an analogy, but it's no, a no, really but, but good analogy. I, yeah. I get it. I get it. it. It feels right. It feels right. All right. Nagin, keep going. We got, It's the last segment. Okay, so rapid fire section. Here we go. From Anthropocosmic Dylan uh, in San Diego writes, question for Dr. Alexander. Neil says, quote, the universe is under no obligation to make sense to us. So how do the concepts of infinity and quantum mechanics get distorted due to our human condition? And how do you reconcile this gap with your research and your artistic expression through jazz music? Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So uh, that's let me a very tight, good question. Let me tighten up the beginning of that. So mm -hmm. so he's asking if if I say the universe is under no obligation to make sense to you, uh are you do these infinities make sense to you and does it bother you? Or do you keep going? Do you just accept it? Or because it doesn't make sense, you have to do something about it? And that violate yes. the Neil principle. Very good. <laughs> I, I, I like the Neil principle. I, mean, I, I, I adhere to it, actually. Because it doesn't make sense to me a lot of times. But, you know, but I have to pay my bills. Yeah, and, um, yeah. Oh, you got to continue. <laughs> yeah. Fake in the funk. No, no, I write and publish papers and respect to journals. Um, but having said that, um, so, yes, I think there is a sense in which we have to, my take on it is that I actually embrace the infinities. I embrace it. I said, let's live with the infinities. And wherever we can, try to sidestep it and make progress. And um, yeah. I see. Okay. So you kind of, even if they're difficult, uh, it doesn't, shouldn't prevent you from making other kinds of discoveries uh, in the terrain that surrounds them. I get it. Okay. And how about the, and again, the second part was about jazz. What, what was the, read that again. Yeah, uh, they wrote, um, how do you reconcile this gap with your research and your art artistic expression through jazz music? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that's great about jazz music is that, you know, you, you know, it, it, it's a, a dual thing. You, you're always striving 
to master your craft and, you know, and build on the foundations of others. But you also must try to break the rules and stumble and fall to make something new based on that foundation. So oh. really embracing the mistakes that you made and not being afraid of that. That's kind of what jazz improvisation is also about. While at the same time, building on the foundation and getting your chops together and practicing and all that good stuff. And there's surely some people who would say, would, would invoke the, nihil, the nihilism on jazz. Mm -hmm. Jazz is under no obligation to make sense to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, right. pretty, I'm pretty okay. sure some people out there feel that way. Well, there's a funny story about that. I, mean, I want to hear your thoughts about it very quickly. Um, when I first heard Ornette Coleman, I was like, what kind of... I, I made no sense. It didn't make any musical sense. And then much later on in life, as I thought I became more um, advanced musically, it started making sense to me. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Or, so it doesn't uh, have to make sense up front. That's right. Also, in, in I just uh, for for when jazz doesn't make sense, I usually go to the bar, get another drink, and then <laughs> jazz starts to make a doesn't lot make of sense. sense. Right. That's why yes. jazz is in bars. That's why. <laughs> and also why all physicists and astrophysicists should be drinking when they talk about infinity. Okay. <laughs> well, I learned something very cool, by the way. I'm very proud of this. I always feel like I was the outside of physicists that played music. It turned out that the hero, the guy that won the Nobel Prize, for figuring out how to actually deal with infinities and our quantum field theory that led to the discovery of the Higgs boson, his name is Ken Wilson. I just found out that he played the oboe. Okay. He played when he was a, a postdoc, yeah. Except I don't know that the oboe shows up much in jazz concerts. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, now it should. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that was not a first choice. But, I know. Right, the oboe See, feels I'm, like something you just get saddled with in middle school. Exactly. You don't choose it. <laughs> You're, in, in elementary school, that was you were the last in line. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. You get the oboe. Here now is, he's, now right. he's saddled with a Nobel. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, let's take a question from Bruce Ryan. Bruce writes, um, I saw that Stefan's specialty includes quantum loop gravity, and I've always wanted to ask, what the heck is quantum loop gravity? Yeah, me too. Me too. Count me in that question well, as well. Yeah. It's a beautiful, it is, it's a very tantalizing idea, and it actually does deal with, in, with gravitational infinities in, in some respects. And the idea is really interesting. You know, like how, let's go back to our picture of the magnet. You know, if you actually can see a magnetic field line um, with these iron filings, you see that it's like some of it is concentrated in like a tube, like mm -hmm. a magnetic tube. Well, what loop quantum gravity is saying is that imagine that you can make tubes of gravitational fields and sort of loop them around like um, like chains, like you know, like a chain. But a chain, I can have a link like, in a chain, like a link. In a, a link chain. in a chain, and yeah. I can link, I can link a fabric of space time with those with those loops. But what's linking is a gravitational field. And they're kind of, you can think of them as atoms of space. Oh, I see. Not atoms, pixels of space. Pixels. Even better. Yeah, yeah. Even pixels better. of space. Pixels of space, yes. A smallest unit of space. Yeah, okay. All right, Nagin, we might have time for one, maybe one and a half more questions. Okay, so let's see. Abhinav Yadov from Philly asks, I struggle to think about space-time as a concept that exists in our daily lives. As a medium, though, which light wave travels? As a fabric that gets shaped by mass and as a vacuum out of which virtual particles pop in and out of, what's an easier way to think about space-time? <laughs> well, the same... Uh, the, Silence. That's, wait, 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 wait. Wait, what was that, what was that question? <laughs> Wait, space-time is all those things, so what is the question? I guess, 
uh, yeah, there's like there's a there's a, a grammatical something missing that's making it hard to. Yeah, we need some semicolons, question. but some semicolons, but so all those things I are think, true, right, Stefan? They're all going on in space mm-hmm. time, all, right? And what's, yes, what's the easiest way of thinking about the concept of of space time? Okay, so if all that's going on in space time, yeah, what's the first way you teach it? You don't dump the the, the bucket onto people before they know what's going on. What's your first step to say what space-time is? To like a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I would say that, yeah, I, 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 think it's, I think it's a good analogy to think of space-time as some sort of very, very faint um, and invisible um, fabric. Um, that, but it's a special kind of fabric because that fabric can also support space-time itself to move along like gravitational waves, right? Mm. So space-time itself can actually support motion of, of ripples up itself. And, and that is different than any other types of medium that we know, right? Mm. Normally, something like, like an electric field or particles need space-time to move through, but they can't move through their own, you know, their own medium. Space-time has a, it's a very special type of medium in that sense. But um, it's a very weird medium, for lack of a better word. Okay, and nor is it's what it we under- call it's a re- it's a relational medium. Okay, <laughs> and nor is it under any obligation to make sense to us. Yes, okay. But it just right. It like makes what, no. If, what you described is it kind still of makes like, no sense to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the the answer to this person's question is basically there's no way of really thinking about it in your daily life. <laughs> it's like no. Okay. I mean, again, this is what what Neil just said makes no sense. But I know I could write down this object called a space time metric, and we describe it as a field of, you know, space time as some kind of a field. But again, these are just words that mm-hmm. we attach to the equations that we, we we write down. Yeah. But they make predictions and they work. So they yeah. make very good predictions and they work yeah, very yeah. well. So yeah. that's why, however fantastical they sound, mm-hmm. they still are connected to reality in that important way. So it's very... very I mean, good. the detection of gravitational waves um, with LIGO yeah. and Virgo, yep. yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then some... Now, again, I think we got one more question. So, I Last mean, one. this is sort of like related. Everyone seems to be having a crisis in understanding, but Ma- Malcolm Marfan um, from Trinidad and Tobago says, infinity oh. is often described as a mathematical abstraction. How can we know that the concept of infinity exists in the physical world and not just in our minds? They are really testing you today. I, yeah, they are, Stefan. They want hard answers. <laughs> and I tell you, I, I remembered learning infinity mathematically, and they said one divided by zero is undefined. Okay? I remember yes, being yeah. taught that in my math class. Well, I have mm-hmm. a math friend who we actually had as a guest, um, John Allen Paulos, professor of math at uh, Temple University outside of Philly. And I tweeted, I called him out in, in Twitter, and I said, mm-hmm. John, if one... One divided by zero is undefined. Why don't you guys define it? <laughs> what are you waiting for? Okay. <laughs> I've been waiting my whole life, and all you have to do is define it, and we're cool. What's up with that? So, yeah. so apparently to him, infinity is undefined because one divided by zero is infinity. Kind mm-hmm. Of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So wait, I, yeah. so this thing is just totally up for grab. Like I could just do a, a, a journal, right, like a, a journal article right now and just be like one divided by infinity is a bowl of jello. And like that's, mm-hmm. if this is no, up for an, grabs, I'd like to take no, I, a stab. We have to put closure no. on your theory 
And one divided by zero is an asymptote captured in Tupperware. <laughs> that's beautiful. I mean, that's beautiful. That's and that, that, that's, a, that's a beautiful theorem right there, right there. We got to call it quits there. Stefan, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me again, Neil. All right, Nagin, uh, it's been a delight. And, and by the way, Nagin, just quickly, weren't you on TV with Hillary Clinton? <laughs> did I, did I, I'm channel surfing. I say, that's Nagin. Wait, that's Hillary that's Clinton. Right. That's what she yes. wanted to do. What was that? Briefly, she, tell me I'm real quick. I'm on the show Gutsy on Apple TV. Um, Hillary Clinton is just basically um, doing a series about gutsy women. And I, and crazily, I, um, I'm i one of them. So check it out. It's a really You're one of the series. gutsy women. Okay, it's, it's just yeah, called, it's called gutsy. gutsy. on Apple TV. Gutsy. Very cool. <laughs> I don't mean to I don't mean to brag, but Hillary Clinton said I'm her favorite astrophysicist. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure she knows only one <laughs> astrophysicist. That's the problem. Oh, the best is when I meet my favorite musician and 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 he goes, "Hey, by the way, can you can you can you get me introduced to Neil deGrasse Tyson, please?" No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, All right. we're done here. Land this plane. This has been Star Talk Cosmic Queries, the Infinity Edition. Uh, it's a delight to have an old friend and colleague, Stefan Alexander, and Nagin Farsad. Always good to have you back. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, as always, bidding you to keep looking up. <laughs>